Certainly appreciate the choir's ministry and music. Hope that you'll be able to come back tonight. It's going to be just a, a beautiful service as the senior choir presents the entire cantata this evening. Uh, it will be a candlelight service. There will be uh, candelabras at the end of the pews. It is really, really gorgeous. So uh, please come back. You're certainly going to be uh, encouraged, uh, be ministered unto, and uh, really prepared for Christmas. So tonight, 7 o'clock. This morning, I want to talk to you about no fear. In the 1980s, no fear was a catch term associated with motocross. Then it became a slogan associated with extreme sports in general. In 1989, a clothing brand was established which copyrighted a No Fear logo. Do you remember that? People wearing these t-shirts said No Fear. And uh, the company quickly expanded into many different No Fear product lines, including No Fear energy drinks. Well, the the company took off like a rocket, and you saw that phrase, no fear, published on just about everything. And I remember seeing it on the back of pickup trucks, no fear, and hot rods, and all kinds of things. However, the, quote, no fear, unquote, slogan was just a fad. Initially, what was a front-running company eventually went bankrupt in 2011. I guess they had something to fear after all. But our theme for this morning is, because God is with us, we have nothing to fear. That's not just a slogan, but it is a reality. I have no one text this morning. I have a number of passages of Scripture that I'm going to be looking at. So perhaps you're going to want to uh, take your bulletin and inserts and things and place them at separate portions in the scriptures so that you're going to be uh, able to follow along with me. The first is Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, the verse that we have used for our call to worship and uh, also that Pastor Dave used for the meditation with the children. Matthew one twenty three states, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. As Pastor Dave pointed out this morning, that phrase is used in two important ways. The first is the idea that, that God is, is present in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It refers to the deity of the Lord Jesus. And secondly, it speaks to the reason of why the Son of God took upon himself humanity. Why it was that, that he became a child born in a manger. It is because God was with us in the sense that God was on our side. God was going to come to our aid. God was going to help us in a very unique and precious way. So the other verse that I'm going to look at is Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. A verse that we're going to use as kind of a background to the Christmas story. In Isaiah 41, 10, you have the essence 
of what it means for the Lord to be with us. Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not fear. For I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm going to use this verse as a background to the great announcement to Joseph that Jesus will be born. And the significance of that birth is that God is with us. Matthew 1.23 Behold, the virgin will be with child, and she'll bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God is with us. Repeatedly in the Christmas story, when people encountered an angel sent from God, their initial reaction was one of fear. Fear. Mary was afraid when she was visited by the angel Gabriel. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it begins, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail thou favored one, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Emmanuel, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at his statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, King James. Fear not, Mary. She had no reason to be afraid. Why? Answer, Luke one twenty eight. He said to her, Hail thou favored one, the Lord is with you. That is the key. There was no reason to be afraid because God was with her. God was with her. It means that she found favor in God's sight. Luke one twenty eight. He said to her, Hail, thou favored one. You are experiencing the grace of God. You are going to experience the blessing of God. Blessed art thou among women. All because the Lord was with her. Mary was not to be afraid because the angel had not come to condemn her, but rather to instruct her concerning her acceptance by God and his intention to bless her. You have found favor with God. No reason to fear. The shepherds initially were afraid when they encountered an angel sent by God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same region. That's, that is the region of Bethlehem. There were in the same region. There were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were terribly frightened. I love the King James. They were sore 
afraid. With good reason. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be on a a starry hillside? Beautiful, nice, calm, thunder, beautiful, nice uh, evening. And all of a sudden, you are just engulfed in a great light. This, This light just encompassed them. And poof, out of nowhere, suddenly, there is an angel standing before them. Well, they're scared out of their wits. They're scared out of their mind. What in the world is going on here? And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why not? For I bring you good news of great joy. The reason they did not need to be afraid is because the angel was coming with good news. Not bad news. Good news. And the good news is that they would have a Savior. Luke 2.11 For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is good news not just for them but for us. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is teaching us that we are not to be afraid of God. Because He did not come to this earth to destroy us. He came to this earth to save us. John chapter 3 puts it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world might be saved. That is good news. That's the gospel. That's the glad tidings. Not to be condemned by God, but rather to be delivered by God. Not to be destroyed, but to be saved. So fear thou not, because I am with you. What is it that we are to be afraid of? First and foremost... We are not to be afraid of God. Fear not, Isaiah 41.10 says. There are 18 different Hebrew words, all translated into English as the word fear. This word is reserved most often for a fear of God. There is reason for people to fear God. Hebrews 10.30 states, For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongs unto me. I will recompense, says the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It is going to be absolutely terrifying. To anyone who does not know 
the Lord as their Savior, to be standing before him in judgment. All of a sudden, his glory is going to be revealed. All of a sudden, his majesty is going to be displayed. And there's going to be an acute awareness of who God is and mankind's shortcomings. It's especially scary to fear God's presence when we think of judgment. Revelation chapter 6, listen to these words. And I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. And the sky was split apart like a scroll when it is rolled up. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders of the rich and strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the presence of of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb of God. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who is able to stand? There's going to be these incredible workings in nature, all intended to bring about a sense of awe, a sense of fear. Maybe you've been in a great storm. Or lightning has struck close by. And you hear that crack. And it's unsettling. None of us has ever experienced in our lives anything like this. Of what it's going to be like when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to judge a people. They're going to cry out. Rich. Powerful. Strong. Matters not whether you're a king in this passage or a slave. Because your power, your wealth will mean nothing in that day. God is going to come to judge. But, the good news is, there is no reason to fear that judgment. For God is on our side. God has provided for us a means to escape that judgment. The good news is that a Savior has been born. Jesus Christ, who will deliver us from the judgment of God. He bore the consequences of our sin when he hung upon the cross. So that we might be forgiven if we but place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So... Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am your God. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I love that translation. King James says, Be not dismayed. But really, the NAS hits it when it says, Don't be anxiously looking about you. In the time of trouble, don't be wondering, why, 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 What am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to escape this? How am I going to go through this? No. 
in the time of trouble, no, in the time of difficulty, that God is on our side. I will be with you. There is no cause for fear. No cause for fear of God. No cause to fear man. Matthew 10, 28 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are of more value than sparrows. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because you have placed your faith and trust in God. It means that we are not to be afraid of anything at all. Romans 8.31 says, What should we then say to these things? If God is for us, if God is on our side, who can be against us? Who can, who can fight us? He that did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Everything that we stand in need of. So we don't need to fear pestilence and sword and all the other things that are referred to in that passage. Because God is on our side. This morning, I want you to tell, tell you that there's no reason to be afraid. God says that he will help us. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says, Do not be afraid, for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I'm your God. And there are three applications to that. First, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you. That means he's going to keep us together. He's going to keep us from becoming unglued. In the olden days, ships were undergirded. Ships were made out of wood, and when they got into great storms, there would be a tendency for these these ships to come apart at the seams because they were held together by wooden pegs. And so huge ropes would be carried aboard ships and a diver would would jump off the side of the boat and would take the rope and go underneath the ship and up and around the other side and they would gird it. They would actually bind the ship together to hold it together to go through a storm. That's the imagery that's found in Isaiah 41.10 where it says, I will strengthen you. I will bind you. I will hold you together. I will keep you from coming apart. I will keep you from becoming unglued. Where it says of the shepherds that they were sorely afraid, the word means to be trembled. They shook in their boots. But God would hold them together. Isaiah 41.10 says, I will help you. The word to help means to become an ally, to be on one side in a battle. Pastor Dave illustrated that for us this morning with the uh, tug of war. To have God on our side, obviously we are going to win any battle. Any battle. 
God is on our side. The third is, he will keep us from falling. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That God is going to keep us from falling. We're going to have the uh, uh, ice skating this coming week. And there will be a lot of people out there, some who know how to skate and some who don't. Some will be little children. And you're probably going to see a parent with a child and the parent is going to hold on to the hand of that child and will keep that child from falling. God is able to keep us from falling. Jude one twenty four. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To be in the very presence of God. To be before him in judgment. And be able to be there, not in fear, but in joy. Knowing that we are going to be accepted. Knowing that we are going to be welcomed. Knowing that we are going to be approved. Knowing that he is going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Knowing that we are going to be in his presence, enjoying his blessing forever and ever. If we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ. No reason to fear. Let me ask you a question. Do you fear the police? Do you fear the police? Well, that might depend upon the situation. If you're traveling 100 miles an hour down the turnpike, you probably don't want to be in the presence of a police officer. You're probably anxiously looking about you, making sure that there's no policeman there. You're walking down a city street at night, and all of a sudden, someone starts walking up behind you very quickly, and they're overtaking you. And all of a sudden, you turn to your left, and you see that on the other street corner, there's a policeman. You're very thankful for their presence. It all depends in what relationship you are to the law. If you are violating the law, the police are to be feared. If you're obedient to the law, their presence is welcomed. They're a source of comfort and help. Through Jesus Christ, we're viewed as obedient to the law of God. Through Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. We are welcomed into his presence. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are lawbreakers. We are sinners. And we're going to be judged. And it's going to be a fearful thing. A terrible thing. All of which can be avoided. Because the good news is that a Savior has been born. A Savior for all who will believe in Him. To all who believe in Him. Hebrews says this, Since then the children share in the flesh and blood. He himself, that's referring to the Son of God, likewise also partook of the same, that through death 
He might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. Deliver us from fear of death. Let me ask you a very pointed question this morning. And that is, are you afraid to die? Are you afraid to die? Is it hard for you to come to grips with your frailty? I know people that refuse to go to a funeral. Because it reminds them of their own frailty. They, they won't go. I, I know people that will not go to a funeral. I know people that are very uncomfortable to go into a hospital. They don't like to think about death. They don't like to be reminded about death. And many times we're able to close our minds to it. We're, we're able to put it on the, the back burner. We're for a while able to live unconscious of death. That's why Ecclesiastes says, better to go to the house of mourning than to a house of mirth. Uh, I use the illustration of Hershey Park. It's an amusement park. An amusement park. I love that word because A means not. Muse is to think. So Hershey Park is a place to go and not think. It's not the place to contemplate the great issues of life. It's where you go and you just forget about everything and you get on a... Uh, a uh, Roller coaster and, and life is great, unless you're like me. If I get on a on a roller coaster, I'm thinking about death and dying. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, I don't like roller coasters. But for most people, it's fun. For most people, it's enjoyment. But you go to the funeral parlor, and all of a sudden, there you're hit smack dab with the reality of death. So when I ask you, are you afraid of dying? I don't mean at this very moment. I mean, what would it mean to you? If you had a doctor's appointment this week and they told you you had a terminal disease and you were going to die within three months, what would that do to you? What emotions would run through your heart and mind? Would you be afraid of what comes next? Of what this means? Of what happens after I die? Hebrews says that Jesus Christ died to fear to deliver us from the fear of death. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there is nothing to fear about dying. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It means you're going to be ushered into his presence. You'll be acceptable by him. But if you know know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, death is an enemy. Death is a terrible thing. There are people that commit suicide to try to escape the pains of this life. But if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, they are jumping, if you will, from the frying pan into the fire. They are not escaping 
they're going to experience something far worse than they've ever known in this life. The good news is there's no reason to fear. The repeated phrase of the gospel narrative of the birth of Jesus. Fear not. Fear not. God is with you. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So my question to you is really a quite simple one this morning, and that is, do you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Has you, have you received this great gift that's been given to us on Christmas? Do you realize that through Jesus Christ, there's no reason to fear death. There's no reason to fear dying. God is on our side. He will watch over us. He will protect us if we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But if we don't place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then our fear is well-founded. Then we are going to realize the significance. What a blessedness to be free from the fear of dying. When we say no fear, we're not talking about a senseless invincibility. You know, though, that, that, that phrase that I started with, no fear, for the motocross people and for the extreme sports, is they have no fear because they think they're invincible. They don't think anything bad is going to happen to them. They think that they're going to be able to do all these death-defying things and do that, defy death. And they're going to come out fine. They have confidence in themselves. But I tell you, self-confidence is misplaced. Our confidence must be in God and God alone. So when we say no fear, we're not talking about a slogan. We're talking about a reality. We're not talking about a fad. We're talking about an eternal truth. A truth that was true 2,000 years ago. And a truth that will be the truth right up until the time that Jesus comes and continues on. That there is no reason to fear for those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So my thought to you this morning as we go to our final prayer is, have you ever personally trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? Have you asked God to forgive you of your sins? You're failing to live your heart wholeheartedly to love God and serve others. For that's the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your might. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Have you ever come to the place where you've asked God to forgive you because you have failed in those things? The reason you can be forgiven is because Jesus Christ died on the cross and he paid the penalty. For our sins. So you are asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, asking Him to change you, transform you, make you into a person that would love God and would love others. You're asking for God to change your heart and mind, that you would have no fear in standing before Him in judgment. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning. If you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to experience the forgiveness of sins and enjoy peace with God, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to acknowledge you in any way publicly except to say that uh, 
I see that there is someone here this morning that wants to know the Lord Jesus Christ, their Savior. I'm going to pray for you, not by name, but God knows, and your sins can be forgiven. Let's pray.